Well, let's talk about talking. It's something that all of us have to do at some point. Maybe you've got to give a toast at a wedding. That's somewhat simple. Maybe you've got to give a speech at a staff meeting. Maybe you have to deliver a message. Maybe you have to lead a small group, teach a Sunday school class, work with kids, give a presentation. Maybe it's do a eulogy. And you've got to stand up in front of people and offer something. And you know there's a difference between communicating information and inspiring transformation. And none of us just want to be people that just dispense information. That's the equivalent of standing up and reading the phone book. Nobody wants to hear that. But we want to be people that are able to say things in a way that brings about change. We know that we're not all Martin Luther King Jr. We know that we're all not people able to bring down the house with humor. But how could we actually say something that makes sense and inspires change? In fact, for a lot of us, we fear that moment. It's the worst thing we can imagine, standing up and having to speak, and we fear that we'll have nothing to say, and we'll be found out, and people will figure out what a mess we are, and how we really don't know anything. And then we'll just embarrass ourselves and make everybody else embarrassed for us. Or worse yet, you don't really have that fear at all. You can't wait to get up and and scream and yell and rant and, and imitate the best speaker you've ever heard or try to be incredibly funny. Maybe you've got a little touch of Michael Scott on you and you just can't wait to have a crowded room to be able to perform in front of. And unfortunately, that's the worst kind of speaker because they've been given a little bit of authority and they've abused it. So what should you be thinking when it comes to crafting something to say? So I want to talk a little bit about what do you do if you have to prepare a message, a talk, a eulogy, a devotion? Maybe it's a locker room talk. Maybe it's a, a, a group of, of your you know, small group girls that are getting together and you're going to talk to them. How do you put something together that makes sense? Well, I think you have to start with just a, a few questions. And I'm going to tell you right now, these questions come from Andy Stanley. And I found them to be incredibly helpful when it comes to putting together any kind of a talk. The first one is this, what do they need to know? And this truly is the information part of it. They need to know something specific. And don't tell me seven to eight things. Give me one thing that's so important. If you're using a biblical passage, what is the one thing they need to know from that passage? I don't need to know everything about that passage. I don't need to know every uh, you know, historical context or all what all the commentators say. I need to know the most important thing for my context. In other words, if I'm a housewife and I'm raising kids on my own, and you know, my husband is far away, or he travels all the time, and I'm just so exhausted, what do I need to know from that passage? Well, let's say I'm the, the husband that's traveling all the time. Let's say I'm the one that's constantly gone because of either busyness or hobbies. What do I need to know from that passage? Let's say I'm a female executive and I'm running a corporation and nobody takes me seriously. What do I need to know from that passage? Let's say I'm a man who's lost my job and nobody takes me seriously. What do I need to know from that passage? Every one of us should have an idea of the people sitting in our audience. We can't speak to everyone. We have to recognize that not everybody will be there, but who is going to be there and what do they need to hear from this passage? And not just how I can tailor fit it to 
fit their life, but rather, what does this passage actually mean and how does that apply to their life? What is the one main thing? Boil it down to one sentence. That will be so helpful for you. If you can come up with one sentence, maybe it rhymes, maybe it has a little bit of a cadence to it, maybe it alliterates, maybe it's just something that kind of flows off the tongue, those kind of sentences will stick with people. A little bit like when Steve Jobs pitched the idea for the iPod. He summed it up this way, it's 10,000 songs in your pocket. Well, that's something people could get their head around. When they sold the, the idea for the movie Alien, the very first one, that was a long time ago, how they pitched that was, it's Jaws, but in space. They summed it up in one sentence. What would that be in your situation? So, you do the research, you figure out what needs to be said, that's your information. What do they need to know? Here's the second thing. Why do they need to know it? This is the motivation. If they don't know this, they won't make good decisions when they're traveling. They won't make good decisions at home. They won't have the inspiration to know that they are loved by God despite how useless and worthless they feel. And on and on. Why do they need to know it? And this is a great opportunity for you to build some tension in your talk, to create a little bit of sense of why you should lean forward. You know, it's been said that a goldfish has nine seconds of attention span Yet you and I right now are somewhere around eight seconds. Think about how long you linger on a post when you're scrolling through social media. Not very long. So very quickly into the message, you've got to introduce some tension that lets them know if they don't keep listening, they're going to miss out. Why do they need to know it? Here's the third question you want to ask. What do they need to do? This is the application. I'm going to give you some information, and here's what you need to do with it. You need to stop something. You need to start something. You need to ask something. You need to pursue something. What is your next step? The fourth question is this. Why do they need to do it? This is the inspiration. This is the, wouldn't it be great if we all did this? Wouldn't it be incredible if we all put all this together? I mean, wouldn't your life look better if you'd been doing this for years? Inspire them to a better tomorrow. And finally, what can I do to help them remember? This is the illustration part. Sometimes it's stories. Sometimes it's a prop. Sometimes it's a video. Sometimes it's a piece of humor. Whatever it is, it helps the image stick. And then put it all together. You start with some kind of thing to help them remember. You go next to what is it they need uh, or why is it they need to know this, what I'm about to tell you, the tension part. The next part is what they need to know. This is where if you're teaching from the Bible, you share the scripture part. And then you get into the fourth question, which is why do they need to do it, the inspiration. And finally, what do they need to do? This is what we all could be doing differently. When you begin to put these things together, you really begin to create some momentum for your talk. This is what Stanley refers to as the me, we, God, you, we approach. 
In other words, you start off with me. A little bit about me, especially if we don't really know each other, and I'm going to spend a little bit more time on this. Um, When I speak with uh, people that I'm not normally speaking to, particularly junior high kids, high school kids, I spend more time on this, so we begin to develop some common ground. Then the we section. The we section is, you know what, we're all kind of in the same boat. We all kind of think the same way. We all deal with the same struggles. I mean, haven't we all had somebody who's, you know, constantly over our shoulder and and taking away our freedoms, or maybe it's your parents, maybe it's a boss, whatever it is. You're building a bridge and you're creating tension for why we need to fix this. Adults especially learn on a need-to-know basis. In other words, if my TV's not broken, I'm really not shopping for a new TV. When I walk into Lowe's and someone's standing there asking if they can sell me an air conditioning unit, guess what? I'm probably not going to impulse buy a $6,000 piece of machinery as I'm coming in to you know, pick up uh, a package of, of nails. That, that's just not what I'm going to do. But if my air conditioner is struggling, if I am having trouble with my TV, then suddenly I am interested in what it is that you're offering. You need to let them know right away how this is going to impact their life and why they need to be interested in it. Here's the third thing, the God part. This is where you break down scripture and talk about this is what it meant then, this is what it means today, which gets you to the you part. Here's what you need to do. And then finally, the we part. Guess what life would be like if we all did this? Me, we, God, you, we. Now, no disrespect to Andy, but I've been thinking about this a lot lately, and I've tried to preach this way a lot, but what I'm noticing is the way that we grab content is we love the blogs that say five ways to do this, three ways to stop doing this, uh, seven ways to start doing this, and we like those things because it seems achievable. What I also notice is for most of those blogs, for most of those pieces of content, the five things or the seven things, and for some reason it's always an odd number, the three things, they, you don't have to do them all. They're not linear. You don't have to start with one and go through all seven. You can pick one of the three to lean into and to focus on. I'm thinking about in my messages in the months to come, just giving, let me give you seven things about prayer you need to know and pick one to work on this week. It kind of allows a bit of a concierge mentality, a little bit of a customized for you, which we live in a customized world. We customize our phones. We customize our viewing experiences on TV. We customize our outfits. My daughter even customizes her Crocs. She'll put uh, little different stickers on them and uh, different, I don't know, decals of some sort that go on those things. Everything's about customizable. What if your message was customizable? What if you allowed people, when they're watching online, to access other parts of the message you didn't necessarily put out there in the first place? What if you had a choose-your-own-adventure message, much like the book some of us grew up with, where you get to one part of the message and you say, if you'd like to hear what happened in this situation, click here. If you'd like to hear what happens over here, click here. You give people some options. But now they're engaged. You may still be sharing the same content, but now they're engaged. And that's what you're looking for because adults learn on a need-to-know basis. So how do you get them to think they need to know this? And the truth is, if you're talking about Jesus, guess what? They need to know it. So let me just give you a few things that might help you in some things uh, not to do. 
Number one, don't try to preach every message you've ever heard. A lot of us, when we finally get that opportunity to speak in front of a crowd, we tell every story we've ever heard, we tell every message we've ever experienced, and we try to use every joke we've ever heard. Just keep it short. As my basketball coach used to tell me, I've never heard a bad short sermon. If you're getting up to speak, it's better to be short than it is to be long. Don't get redundant. Don't get long-winded. You will lose people. The longer you do it, the more you'll be able to look out in the audience and tell, is it time to move on? This will help you in your message writing. But when you're crafting a message, don't try to to say everything that you've ever heard. Here's another idea. Don't try to impress. I struggled with this for years, worried so much more about the laugh, so much more about the aha, so much more about somebody saying, boy, that was deep, and less about being helpful. I got to remember, there's a guy out there just trying to keep his marriage together. There's a family out there just trying to pay the bills. There's somebody out there that just got a cancer diagnosis. There's somebody out there who has a child not coming home. They need help and they need hope. Yeah, if it's funny, great. Yep, if it's profound, I might tweet it. But come on, I need hope. That's why I'm here today. There are so many places people can access information and content. Do not shortchange your opportunity with trying to be smarter or funnier than you really are. Now, a word about being funny. I find the humor that works the best is when it's just natural to who you are. If you are somebody who's just naturally funny, then use it. If you're a person that's not, just try it and say, I know my kids didn't like it either and just go for it. Never assume anything's going to be funny. That way, if it bombs, you can just keep on moving. There was a saying uh, back in the early 2000s with a couple of TV shows that had come out, and they, they talked really fast. And they were kind of known for that. One was The West Wing, and the other was Gilmore Girls. And somebody asked the writer of Gilmore Girls, why is everybody talking so fast? And they said, because if something's not funny, you just keep moving on until something is. And, you know, the truth is, we've all heard somebody get up there and try to be funny, and nobody laughs, and they're, they feel awkward, then you feel awkward for them as they hem and haw and say, well, yeah, you know, and all that. Just keep moving on. And then if the laugh comes, just enjoy it and keep going. I find humor to be a commercial break. Every now and then, people just need a commercial break so they can catch up with you. What we forget when we teach is, I've already had the thought days ago in the study, and then I wrote it down, and now I've said it, and now people are just hearing it, and now they're finally understanding it. Well, think how many steps that took. If we talk really fast, or if we just move on or try to give more information, we don't give them enough time to process what was said. And so sometimes a commercial break with a funny story, even if it doesn't fit and say, I don't know if that fits, I just found it amusing, it kind of causes people to take a breath, lean in, and get ready for the next group of thoughts. It's a little bit like picturing a, a hammock. Okay, If you have a hammock, the, the two ends that are the highest are obviously at the ends, the beginning and the end. The point in your speech 
that people have or that you have people's attention is at the beginning and the end. The moment you come out there, they're listening. Do not waste that opportunity on you tapping the mic and saying, is this thing on? You just go for it. You just start talking. You come up with a great first sentence and bring it because they're already listening. They want to know if they should keep listening. And at the end, when you begin to say, and finally, guess what? You've got their attention because they think this is almost over. So what you need to do are find creative ways to boost the hammock all the way through the talk. Whether it's humor, whether it's a personal story, whether it's a sad story, a poignant story, or maybe a video or a picture on the screen, whatever it is, those things help keep your audience engaged. Remember, the star of the show is the message. It's not you. And in the line of work that I'm in, it's the message from God, what He has to say. And I don't need to be getting in the way of it. I just need to keep people engaged with it and keep pointing their attention to it. I remember I was talking to a pastor who's older than I am and has been doing this a lot longer than I am. And I told him my struggle with um, wrestling with how people think of me and kind of that approval addiction thing. And I worry, am I coming out there? Am I good enough? Are they, are they listening? Are they engaging? Are they getting anything out of this? And he said, you know what I've realized? A lot of times when I would come out to speak, I was thinking, I hope they like me. But most of the time, the audience is sitting there thinking, I hope he likes me. And they want to know, are you a friend? Are you somebody I would spend a, you know, a Friday afternoon with on the golf course? Are you somebody that I would listen to and give you input into my life? Is this going to feel like I'm watching you perform? Or is this going to feel like we're having a cup of coffee? What's the use of me sitting here? Is it really going to help? When you begin to lean into those questions, it takes you so much further. So let me give you one last thing to think about. When you're evaluating, did I do a good job? Start with these three letters, M-U-D. In other words, was it clear as mud? What's mud mean? Was it memorable? Was it understandable? And was it doable? If you get those three things down, guess what? You've not just created a good talk, you've created a transformational talk. And I know that's something you can do. So get out there and try it. Take every at-bat you can. Speak to whoever they'll let you talk to. Learn as you go. Ask for feedback. Find out what works. And keep doing your best to make it clear as mud. Well, I hope that was helpful for you. I hope you have opportunities to speak for other people, and I hope that you have a chance to say something that's from God and that's transformational in their lives. If you found this helpful, share it with a friend. As always, subscribe to the podcast so you make sure you get this delivered into your inbox all the time. Every single week on Wednesdays, we put one of these out to give you fresh content each week with some bonus episodes along the way. Can't wait to have you with us next week. Until then, keep leading simple. Learn.